this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your host, Big Waz, of course, aka Wazney Lambray, for those of you who are just new to the program. That's my aka, my my alias, if that's the word. Or was that a terrible Jennifer Garner show? I can't remember. Um, joined as always by my partner, the sexy, sultry Latin himself, Nando Vila. What's up, brother? How's it going, baby? Good, good, good. On today's show, we're going to get into, there's no other way to put this. It's a crisis, what's going on with mm-hmm. the Supreme Court right now. The Republicans are ready <laughs> yeah. to jam this one right up our asses <laughs> with no Vaseline. Um, and um, we, we got to get into that. But first things first, Nando, we want to talk about who the, the candidates are that Trump and the GOP have sort of leaked via various sources that they're considering. Who are they looking at to vacate the seat of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg of Brooklyn, New York? 
So they, um, Trump has indicated in the past, in the recent past, that he that he is thinking about a woman, that he wants a woman to fill the next Supreme Court seat, whichever one became available. Um, and it's like they're kind of doing that thing where they're they're kind of cynically owning the libs by using identity politics against them. You know, kind of finding like it's like it's a woman. We you got can't, a you know, woman for you. Yeah, we Shut got up. a woman for you. You should like this. So uh, the, there are two nominees. One is like more favored than the other. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, Barbara Lagoa, a Cuban American from Miami who cut her teeth in the legal profession, uh, defending, uh, the Elian Gonzalez family against <laughs> the Clinton administration, the <laughs> Elian family, the Elian Gonzalez family in Miami, not the one back in Cuba. Mm. So I don't know if anyone remembers the Elian Gonzalez, uh, yeah, he washed up I, on shore on a banana boat. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so it, what the, the very quick uh, summary is that Elian Gonzalez was a, a kid who um, went on a raft to Miami. Uh, everyone that he was on the raft with died except for him. So he kind of made it uh, alone. And um, like I think his mother died is, is the real important thing. So then he had family in Miami, not immediate family. So like not mother, father, uh, but he had like aunts and uncles in Miami. And when he got to Miami, the the father who was back in Cuba was like, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm his father, like he should come back. Um, and so the Cuban Americans in Miami were like, no, 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 this guy came to Miami. You know, he, he has the legal right to uh, be in the United States if he wants to. Um, and his family was kind of arguing that they could be the guardians of him because he was underage. He was like 13 or something at the time. And, uh, but it, you know, the Clinton administration argued, I think correctly that at the end of the day, his father is his legal guardian yeah. <laughs> uh, and should be able. So they, they sent him back. And this is like a huge debacle in the Cuban American community. They'll never forget. They'll never forgive Janet <laughs> Reno. I remember. Yeah. Little Elion. <laughs> little Elion. He was on the who, news every single day. Cute little Cuban boy. <laughs> yeah. Every single day. Um, and this was, I can't, I mean, I grew up in Miami at the time. I remember back perfectly. to your remember, country, like, at Elion. Games, at heat games, people were holding up like giant signs saying like justice for Elion. <laughs> Go back to your country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, Elian Gonzalez became the most important uh, political cause. And, but, I mean, it is true that the Clinton administration kind of sent in, like, a SWAT team to get him out. It was pretty, it was pretty over the top. Uh, it, the whole situation was just ridiculous. Yes. Uh, but I remember, like, you oh, know. the 90s. How quaint. Yeah, how quaint. Like, imagine that whole thing going down today. It would be uh. like, um, anyway, so she cut her teeth in the Elian Gonzalez thing, uh, basically fighting the Clinton administration. Um, she has since been like a, you know, some sort of appellate judge in, in Florida, then became the first Hispanic woman to um, be on the Supreme Court of Florida. Uh, but yeah, this is what they're going to do is like, oh, look, she's a she's Latinx. She's BIPOC. You should love her. You know, um, uh, you should you should confirm her. She's a wise Latina, kind of like Sonia Sotomayor. <laughs> um so that's one option. And the other option is this woman named Amy Barrett. And she Talk seems to us like, about Amy Barrett, please. Yeah, she, she seems like the overwhelming favorite. Like she seems like the, the top of the uh, at the top of the list. Amy Barrett was a clerk for Antonin Scalia, who, of course, is like the, the hero of all the conservative judges. Um, and she it, she was like a you know professor at Notre Dame. She's a judge out there in South Bend, Indiana. And the big thing about Amy Barrett is that, you know, she has that kind of Scalia thing where like libs and people in the in the professional be like, you know what? I may disagree with her politically, but God 
damn it, she's a great jurist, you know, like, <laughs> which is what they would always say. She's a brilliant legal mind. But, you know, the real, the reality is that Amy Barrett is uh, a pretty dogmatic uh, Catholic, which is going to become the big issue that you're going to hear all the time. It's like, you know, don't bring her religion into it. Don't bring her religion into it. It's gross to like attack someone for their religious beliefs. And to the extent that that's true, the, the reality is that her Catholic faith I mean, in theory, has informed her very extreme stance against abortion. I mean, that is her big thing. She is a hardcore pro-lifer. She has adopted two Haitian boys, you know. <laughs> um, you know, she's she's one of those, like, kind of, like, pro-lifers who kind of actually goes she and does She practices what she preaches. It, it, exactly. You know, which is why liberals and, and women's groups and things like that are, are horrified at the possibility of having her on the court because it looks like it would put Roe v. Wade on the table. Like if some, you know, if some suit um, came to the Supreme Court, like she would absolutely kind of rule um, against the the Roe v. Wade, which protects, you know, abortion rights in all the land. So that's her big thing. Um, and uh, you're going to see you're going to see all manner of like conservative hooting and hollering about like, I can't believe how gross it is to, you know, bring someone's religious views into question when you're talking about her, uh, you know, fitness for the court. And even some liberals are saying like, you know, I may disagree with her politically, but we can't bring into the Catholic thing. And it's like, and like, there's already people saying like, this is an, another example of gross anti-Catholic bigotry, which like I grew up Catholic. That does not exist anymore. It, like that used to exist. Yeah. Maybe in like the 1950s, over like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, I, I, but I want to stay on the point of Roe v. Wade, because that seems to be the the sort of sticking point for most of the libs when they talk about the terror of this sixth conservative joining the court, it's this idea that they're going to challenge Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, and this isn't founded on any facts or, you know, uh, anything objective as, as far as, uh, empirical evidence. Yeah. But I, I, I tend to not believe that, the conservatives actually care about Roe v. Wade. I think it's something they use to it's red meat for the base because their yeah. most fervent people are the hardcore racists and the um God botherers and some of them happen to intersect, but you know what I mean, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. they did. It's like the Dems with immigration. Like, what's your plan on immigration? Well, we don't really have them. we just know we love immigrants. That's yeah. all. You know, it's like I I don't know that they're actually you know worried about it but at the same time maybe they are like fuck it if we get rid of abortion who cares we'll still be able to get abortions for our mistresses yeah. we'll put them on a first class flight to canada and boom done like you're what's right the, you're 100 right was in identifying that the sort of power players in the republican party the people who like actually matter the people in power the sort of uh you know the 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 brazen plutocrats who control that party don't give a shit about abortion. They really don't give a shit about abortion. They only care about abortion to the extent that it can whip up the rubes. Yep. You know, like they need the rubes. They need, they need like, and they see them that way. I mean, they, they have total contempt for their own base. Um, but they know that they need votes to, uh, support their very unpopular economic agenda, which is basically redistribution upward to the oh, 1%. Well, that's the number. So that's number one. That's what they really care about. So they use things like abortion. Power. That's, exactly. that's the number. Like if, you know, you yeah. take a class action lawsuit all the way to the Supreme Court, it's like, you're going to lose. They're going to rule in favor of the corporation. That's what and they really want to submit. 
And let's be clear, Amy Barrett and even this woman, Barbara Lagoa, would 100% rule in, 100%. in favor of the corporation every single time. Every and that's time. really <laughs> what matters at the end of the day. And you're right that the I, to me, I think that the Roe v. Wade is, uh, repeal is kind of the nuclear option for these people. Like, it's like, if, okay, like, if we, if we start to lose support, uh, for whatever reason, um, from the base, uh, for like maybe some like redistributive policy or something, like, say, like someone like Bernie Sanders, uh, so somehow took over the, the Democratic Party and started like advocating for things like Medicare for all and whatever and started to peel off some rural working, uh, some rural, like, kind of white voters and things like that. Um, or like dampen support amongst like evangelicals, like they'd, they'd whip up the Roe v. Wade thing as a kind of like a, you know, in case of emergency, break glass. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and from what and we understand, that they, like because these appointments are not elected and they are lifetime appointments, if the court decides we're not looking at an abortion case, they're just not looking at an abortion case, and there's yeah. nothing the Rubes can do about it. You know, that's totally. why I'm just like, I'm, I, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't buy it as something they actually care about. We know what they really care about. We, yeah. They care about the corporate money class, like, and ensuring that they get favorable outcomes in the courts. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yep. Because obviously— deregulation is the law of the land so it's like they're protected over there as far as the laws are concerned now when it comes to the courts and people you know trying to get justice via that route because no laws have been written to rein these cocksuckers in um (laughs) they're like no we're shutting that off too so yeah you're, you're just dead in the water if you try to take on the corporate power of the united states yeah no, I mean, that that's and that's really what the court has always done. I mean, that's like what kind of like outside of like very brief moments in history where there was kind of a more liberal court, which was like, it's right, very, like very, 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 very brief. Trust yeah. and breaking up the railroad monopolies, yada, yeah. yada, yada, yada. But that, that's that's like a yeah. hundred and something years now. Guys. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> very, very brief. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, with the Warren court, they, you know, they did support civil rights and all that thing and all those things. Again, very, very brief moment in history. For the most part, the courts have been a, a reactionary force against democratic popular will to make people's lives better. I mean, that's the end of the day. I mean, for like the, the West wing class of liberals has always like kind of like fetishized the court as like, just kind of why, I mean, they love it. They love it because only thing I will say about the Supreme court is that these guys and gals, a lot of them are very egotistical and again, because there's no essentially no accountability, they, there are times where these cats will come out and surprise you. Yeah, I think I brought it up on the show before. Like, um, Gorsh, Gors, I always Gorsuch. fuck this dude. Gorsuch is Gorsuch has like an affinity for Native Americans' rights. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like a thing of his. It's like that in nowhere in Republican ideology is that a thing, but he that's a thing of his. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so a lot of times you will see these quirks with these guys because yeah. again, this, they're basically untouchable once they get to the court. And and, and Roberts, who's the Chief Justice, uh, he uh, he's kind of like a very savvy dude. He understands that he needs to every once in a while kind of. You know, play the other side to like keep the court's legitimacy. Like, you know, he voted in favor of Obamacare on like an extremely narrow ground, um, and, and which kind of like did did the best of both worlds. It were like kept Obamacare, but did a little too much. Um, you know, by 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 making that the Medicaid expansion wasn't mandatory in all the states. 
Um, but, uh, you know, he understands that he's got to play the game a little bit to not be to- totally like partisan so that it's, you know, but at the end of the day, um, and even this is something that was even true of, 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 of Ruth Bader Ginsburg for most of her career. I mean, toward the end of her career, she kind of changed a little bit on this, but like at the end of the day, what matters is like the pro corporate agenda. Like, yeah, Gorsuch will like, you know, go on some native American rights thing, but that's, that doesn't affect, you know, the bottom line of Goldman Sachs or ExxonMobil in any way, shape nope. or form, yep. you know? Um, so that's, that's really what the court does. Um, and it's, and it's, again, you know, it's this, this fetishizing that liberals have of the court is just completely misplaced. And it's purely out of like that West Wing episode where they were like, oh my God, we got it. We got like a, you know, a woman who's had an abortion on the court. And like that episode was like, you know, like every liberal kind of like loved that. Um, but (laughs) but like the court is not your friend. The Supreme Court is not your friend in any way, shape or form. And it's easy to understand why, because it plays into the liberal ideology of liberal being the people of ideas and theoretically when you present some grand argument to the court your ideas are gonna win the day and it's well like- not just that but like the, the liberal kind of upset turning in politics into celebrity worship you know like they've turned oh, they've God. turned their political leaders into like celebs who are like i, I don't know like that's just it's it's very like you know the no, whole notorious rbg thing was like you know, there was like stickers and stuff and it, like they turned them into celebs instead of like what they are, which is just political actors deciding the fate of, you know, how resources get distributed in the society. <laughs> I don't know, but they're like they love Yas Queening like their their leaders. Um, you know, they love it's just like a very it's a, it's a very new thing from liberals. I don't I don't know like where it really came from, but it, it's like 100 percent true that they turn they turn their leaders into celebrities. Um and the question, you know, it, that a lot of people have on their minds, and I understand what, why, is that, well, what can we do about it? Like, what could, could they do anything about it? Like, everyone's asking, like, are they going to get one of these kind of psycho women on the court? And the answer is most likely yes. I mean, at the end of the day, they have the votes. Uh, Mitt Romney decided, uh, yeah, I think it was yesterday, that he was going to uh, vote to confirm the nominee before the election, which pretty much tipped the scales, um, gave other political cover. Like, it's there, it's going to happen, most likely, especially because the Democrats will not put up opposition. They and that's not. what we want to bring into our next topic. What can they do, even though we know because they're feckless weak politicians in the Democratic <laughs> Party that they won't ultimately do this and go nuclear on this because I don't think they really care. Yeah. Um, but, um, but what could they do theoretically um, to sort of, you know, put, a, and put a stop to this? So the thought exercise to be doing is if what if the tables were turned? What if McConnell was in the minority but leading the, his, like his minority caucus um, and like some some Democratic president was putting in a, a nominee with like 30 days left before an election. Right. <laughs> you got to believe that McConnell will use every parliamentary trick in the book to throw sand in the gears, delay stuff like, yep. you know, they might not be ultimately able to stop it, but they can make it. They can make them sweat for it as much as yep. possible to the point where because maybe they do you, have till January. Yes. They Just have remember till, that yeah, it's not until November. November. It's yeah. till January. Yeah. But the Senate is like a very, 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 very strange institution. Right. It's ruled by all these kind of like bizarre arcane rules from like the 1800s that are not in the Constitution. They're just kind of these rules that the whole Senate abides by. Like there are these kind of very arch- archaic 
and strange and no one really knows them outside of like the you know the guy in charge of like the senate rules like some fucking nerd in in there um <laughs> some, it's something that mcconnell understands really well but like you know there's all manner of things like you know like it, wh- whether you can have a committee meeting two hours after the day has started you know like they're all kind of like from the 1800s and and mm-hmm. McConnell is very good at using every single trick in the book to make to make it harder to delay to whatever like you know one kind of nuclear option is that they could do is like they could impeach Barr for example they could impeach William Barr mm. the house could impeach him like tomorrow they they have all the votes right they have they have a majority in the house they could impeach William Barr and then force the senate to have a hold, to hold a trial over <laughs> William Barr and then that would like kind of consume the tie business of the up. senate yeah yep. tie them up you know, there's a million things they could do, um, which you have to believe if the situation reversed, they would do everything in the trick to do it. You know, 100%. like they could not show up, you know, just they could like physically not show up and like not, you know, not not give what's called unanimous consent, which is what allows the Senate to like kind of go out. There's like, all manner of like these weird things that you don't have to like worry about, but like just know and, that they exist. This isn't even hard to imagine. Just re- just think about a few short years ago when there was a different person in the White House what McConnell did, it was obstruction, guerrilla warfare at every single turn. Yeah. Remember the fucking debt ceiling? Remember that shit where yeah, yeah. it was a freaking, <laughs> yeah. it was like every single day. It was like, what are we going to do about the next debt ceiling? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Like they were holding the freaking Congress hostage, yeah. straight up. The government was held hostage just cause, yeah. like, not even because of like something where it's like, all right, Barry was doing something that was like unprecedented stuff. Yeah. They were just doing it just cause. Yeah. And the Dems are gonna do what? They're gonna browbeat them. Yeah. They're gonna go on MSNBC. They're gonna go on the Sunday yeah. show and say Lindsey Graham said it, we yeah. could use his words against him. Yeah. And he's going against his own words. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> this is dishonorable. Yeah. That's what they're going. That's the strategy. Yeah. That's the fucking strategy yeah. here. No, it's it's crazy. Like I mean, the biggest difference between liberals and Republicans that is that Republicans understand that when you win elections, you have power that you can use it. The liberals kind of are <laughs> constantly playing to the reasonableness and hypocrisy referee that doesn't exist. You know, they think there's like some referee out there is like, well, you get ten points for being consistent, and you get twenty points for like upholding rules of decorum. You know, and really that that person doesn't exist. You do not get points for consistency. You do not get points for not being a hypocrite. You do not get any brownie points. There's no one out there patting you on the head being like good boy you're a good boy you 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 remain consistent even though it was politically unfeasible for you or whatever like the republicans understand like no we fucking won we control the shit you know and we uh we, get to do what we we're want we're going you know, like, to do it because we can because we can and that's the thing like we're talking about some sort of process nicety decorum it's like it's like makeup it's yeah. like they're like that. The Republicans are just like, wait, this isn't even illegal. We're willing to do shit well, yeah. that's illegal. Legal. This it's... isn't even illegal. No. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. Why this would we some, not do it? You know, like, like oh, we won't want to keep up with tradition, or we don't want to keep our word from just a few, just you know, three years ago or four no. years ago. Like, no, we don't give a shit. no. And, I, and, 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 and the thing is, they're right. They're right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> politics is about the naked raw exercise of power, of power. side of yep. who gets what you know yep and republicans understand that democrats are are doing the west wing thing you know like they're they're <laughs> they're, they're doing the west wing thing they're they're trying to like appear 
honorable, reasonable, blah, blah, blah. They think voters give a shit about that. Like outside of like the, the most hardcore, like MSNBC addicts, like no one gives a shit about that. Like people give a shit about like, well, what do I get? Like, do, my, my, is my life going to be better or not? You know? So, you yeah. know, and you know, what's so crazy, man. Um, basically as much as, as much as people laud Barry for his intellect, his this, his that, his blah, blah, blah. It took him six and a half years to get this shit. <laughs> like, where he's like, man, I don't, I, let me just do the shit that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And just, I'm not going to get consensus from the Dem, Democratic leadership. I know, obviously, I don't have the Republicans to do. I'm just going to do stuff yeah. and keep it pushing. Like, yeah. it took him six years. At first, he's like, you guys are going against your own policies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh? What you happened don't even want to cut you Social Security it, just a little do bit? This. And- yeah. What? Idiot. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, there there are things again, and that's just just to reiterate what we're talking about here. There are things that can be done. Yeah. There are ways to slow this this train down that isn't going on meet the press and bitching about it. Like there's ways that they can actually do this at their jobs, go to work and do stuff, but they won't. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, go ahead. Um, and I know you wanted to get into sort of the history yeah. of Supreme Court and things like judicial review, um, and the concept of quote unquote court packing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what did you want to get into as far as the, in regards to those topics? Well, so you know, I, I think I want to reiterate that a lot of this stuff that we take for granted from the Supreme Court is is not in the Constitution. Like, it's just, it's not like it's, if there's a guy that people probably have never heard of, but is probably the guy you've never heard of that is the most powerful American in American history is a guy named John Marshall, who was the first chief justice of the Supreme Court. Kind of, he was on, he was a chief justice of the Supreme Court for something like 40 years or something, like, like an insane amount of time, kind of right at the beginning of the United States, right? Like, uh, like just like as soon as like the constitution, you know, everything, like he became kind of the first chief justice and he was there for like the first 40 years, kind of like how Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover was the <laughs> director of the FBI for the first 40 years of the FBI. Um, so this guy was the chief justice of the Supreme court. And in 1803, um, just a very young country, um, with a very fresh constitution had established the three branches of government, but crucially the constitution didn't, the constitution did not say that the Supreme court had legal authority to like invalidate Congress's laws. You know, this was just not a thing in the constitution. It still is not in the constitution. In 1803, there was a case called Marbury v. Madison, which is the most, probably the most important Supreme Court case of all time. It's the one they teach you in every single constitutional history course. If you go to law school, every, like, everyone kind of learns about Marbury v. Madison as the most important case. And it was in 1803 and it was a random ass case that doesn't really matter. But the point was that Chief Justice John Marshall asserted the court's right to something called judicial review, which is this idea that the court is the one who ultimately decides whether a law is constitutional or not. Um, and that stuck, that just stuck forever. You know, like the court basically decides, you know, whether like, you know, Congress could pass a law, like voters can vote in congressional leaders. They then pass laws, the president signs it. And it, but then the court says like, wait, no, you can't do that. That's illegal. You know, that is not in the constitution that the the court could overrule kind of the Congress is not in the constitution. This is just something that this guy, John Marshall asserted back in 1803 and everyone just kind of (laughs) accepted Right. Um, so 
in theory, and this is something that Matt Brunig talks about a lot and has talked about a lot lately, like a president doesn't have to listen to the Supreme Court. He does not or she does not like say say Joe Biden won and the Democrats had a majority in the Senate. They could pass a law. And if the Supreme Court invalidated it, they could just be like, no, that's that's OK. I'm not going to I'm just not going to listen and I'm just going to continue implementing the law. I mean, it would obviously be a very drastic thing because people have accepted it so much. But that's the thing is like the Supreme Court is just this kind of uh, it, it's it's all upheld. And like so many things in our system, it's upheld by norms decorum, tradition, not by kind of hard and fast rules, right? Like our system is so based on these kind of accepted norms. And there's this one party called the Republicans who just understand that they don't have to follow those norms if they <laughs> don't want to. And then, but then criticize Dems for like, you know, breaking norms when, you know, like when it commits. Right, they, they of don't course, because that's effective strategy. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas the Dems kind of are constantly upholding all the norms. You know, so they're that they're they're at a structural disadvantage there. So, yeah, I mean, they could do a million things. They could just ignore the court. Like if say if the court said, you know, Roe v. Wade was not uh, the law of the land, like the Democrats could pass, uh, say they had the majority, they could pass a law that just said, yeah, no, the abortion is legal in every state and every state has to have, you know, a, an abortion clinic every so square miles. Yeah, and and by the way, <clears throat> what what they ultimately want are, are like what I feel like the goal of a lot of the god botherers and the bible thumpers is that they want I don't I, I know they the they they have the ambition of just ending it in all of America, but at the very least they want it to just be like, all right, in Texas where we run things, nothing. No abortion yeah. happens there. None in Mississippi, none in Alabama, none in, you know, Arkansas, none of none in the Republican strongholds. Let those godless heathens in San Francisco and New York City have all the condomless sex and marriageless sex that they want and have their abortions. Fuck it. We can't control them. They're going to hell anyway. But in our sacred heartland states, no, 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 no. You cannot kill a fetus there. That's what I think yeah. they're ultimately aiming for. And, you know, but the Dems and the thing is the Dems never pursue these alternative um, strategies, right? Yeah. Like we're in, in states like Kansas and shit like that, where the Republican legislators enacting laws like where, yeah. you, you know, they make it hard for they make laws that make it impossible for abortion clinics to operate. Yeah. Right. Like they don't outright ban it. They just make it impossible for you to operate a clinic. Right. Yeah. Like the Dems don't do that anywhere. No. They don't skirt Republican orthodoxy by going around it and doing what we want anyway. They just be like, come on, people vote for us. Right. And you know who did do that? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> no, seriously, Abraham Lincoln. This is like the biggest example of what I'm talking about. So in 1857, there was a Supreme Court case called Dred Scott, which said that the, the Congress did not have the authority to ban slavery in federal territories. Right. Um, like, think about what that means. Like uh, the Supreme Court said that the Congress, even if the Congress passed a law banning slavery in the federal territories, um, it, it was unconstitutional. What did Lincoln do when he was elected? He was like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that. 
I'm just, I'm just not gonna, not gonna listen to that. I'm just gonna ban federal <laughs> slavery in the federal territories. Like, right. I don't give a shit what the court says because the court doesn't have the constitutional authority over the elected representatives of the people. And like, that's fundamentally where like the liberal kind of fetishization of the court is so problematic to me is that they're right. worshiping undemocratic, undemocratic, <laughs> unelected people. You know, these are people yes. who are there for life. These are these like kind of elders, like there's the ancient people reading like scrolls from 300 years ago deciding like the fate of what happens to us in 2020 is just so absurd on its face whereas like it's subverting the democratic will of the people every step of the way Um, believe me if if the if the dems had somehow appointed six judges to to the supreme court i promise you I promise you yeah. the Republicans would do something about it. Oh, 100%. They are <laughs> they not would, allowing that. Yeah. They would just be like, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, no. You're not allowed to govern. No, fuck yeah. that. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah, if, if some just, like liberal Supreme Court was gutting Republican kind of laws, like say say like a, a Republican president and a Republican Senate passed a law, um, you know, saying that uh, employers could – uh, you know, employ anyone like, okay. Like basically ending child, uh, child labor laws. Right. For example, right. um, and the Supreme court said that that was unconstitutional. They'd be like, uh, yeah, okay. Sorry. No more Supreme bad. court. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And so, you know, there you have it. It's just something you guys should absolutely be thinking about because again, it's, it, we can't stress this enough. Um, <laughs> There are things that can be done. I know we we kind of uh, we, and, we and go ahead. Nando, what, sorry. what I'll say, like the final thing I'll say is like where, where can activists and stuff and people put pressure, right? You know, and in the wake of of, of RBG's death, you know, there was like hundreds of millions of dollars that came in from people, you know, earnestly trying to uh, do something about it. You know, like supporting Democrats and whatever. And like a lot of that went to to Amy McGrath, who is the woman that's running against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. That's just that's just. Th- throwing money down the toilet. Amy McGrath is not going to beat Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. Amy <laughs> McGrath is not, she's just going to lose big time. The real pressure point is Chuck Schumer. You know, like there should be a, like someone should emerge primering Chuck Schumer because Chuck Schumer is up um, and it's primering Chuck Schumer on the grounds that if this man doesn't do everything in his parliamentary power to throw sand in the gears, to stop this nominee, like I am primarying him on those grounds. Like that would that and and then give give that person money. You know that would make put pressure on Schumer, who is the person who can do something about it. Who is the, the right now in, in the immediate term is the person who can do something about it. Pri, like primarying Chuck Schumer would make him sweat. You know so so that's that's and yeah and, and Chuck Schumer is a bit of a villain on this show. Um and you know obviously I believe rightfully so. But just think to yourself, like, when's the last time Chuck Schumer won something for the Dems? Like, like, can you name anything? You can't name one win. You can't name one accomplishment. You can't name something like Chuck Schumer did to to, to sort of, you know, grease the skids. Like, yeah. nothing. nothing. He's never done anything anything but put out namby-pamby statements that's it that's he's the king of the namby-pamby worded statement he's the king of that yeah um and he's the king of inaction and he's the king of you know essentially inertia like he's just terrible man he's he He sucks sucks. he really sucks he really sucks sucks. i mean outside like of our ideological differences with him he just he just isn't even good at, at at being kind of the 
you know, of being the opposition party, even uh, even as a representative of a party that we don't feel identified that much with. You know, all like you know just- about Chuck Schumer is that he's extremely close to the Israel lobby, which okay, cool. Yeah, and he loves Wall Street. That's it. That's literally all yeah. you know about this fool. Nothing yeah. else. He stands for nothing. Yeah. The other day he tweeted, you know, we should think about decriminalizing the weed. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe you could do something about it as the, as the leader of the, of Lord, the Senate Minority mercy. Leader. Maybe you could do that. But, you know, of course, he's not going to do anything about it. All right. And lastly, we want to end on a more cultural, uplifting note. Um, I did not know about this until maybe 20 minutes before it went on air. And I learned about it from my buddy, DJ Night Train. Um, shouts to El Salvador. Um, he tweeted about, yo, Bad Bunny's about to do a, a live concert um, like right now. Everybody should tune into it. And so, you know, I'm I'm a passive Bad Bunny fan. Um, funny enough, I want to tell this story. Um, I had went to... Dominican Republic last summer for um, a, a bachelor party. And it's one of those things because I don't speak Spanish. And when you spend like four days in a country where you don't speak the language, it all becomes this one like drone. Like Spanish just becomes, it's just like, it's like a buzzing. It's like the crickets in the backyard in the summer. It just sort of seeps in the back of your mind as things that you can't, you know, understand, right? And the same happened for the music. It's like, I'm just, it's just Spanish all day. And like, I just don't speak Spanish. So it becomes this one constant, whatever. But one of the records that was a huge record out there, Rob, was Caita, right? And so I get back to America. Inevitably, my man Night Train gets a gig at this club out here called Poppy on the Latin night. I had never gone to a Latin night ever because obviously I don't speak Spanish. I generally don't listen to the music. But there was something about being at Poppy that night in the booth with Night Train as he's DJing and watching him at the end, like his set crescendo into, you know, the the Bad Bunny record and people just losing their minds. And I was like, okay, I finally get it. Like... This dude is tapped into something incredible right now. Like, he is killing it. And then, you know, you start to actually listen to more of his stuff. And this guy has actual flows. Like, he has styles. He has different cadences. Like, he is a versatile, extremely talented artist. Melodies. Like, he's amazing, right? And, again, full disclosure, I grew up in New York City at the time when reggaeton first basically happened, yeah. the first wave of Don Omar and um, Daddy Yankee yeah. and um, Tego Calderon and all of these cats. And I remember, I'm not going to lie, me and my homies as big dancehall fans and hip-hop fans, which is essentially what reggaeton was. It was a melange of dancehall, Jamaican dancehall and hip-hop. We scoffed at it. We looked at it as amateur hour. We was like these repetitive beats, the same do we were just like yo what like this is whack right (laughs) fast forward essentially 20 years and i'm not gonna lie the music has absolutely evolved like the styles and the pockets that these cats are tapping into is incredible and it all culminates robin i'll let you take over to daddy uh, excuse me to bad bunny 
doing a, a concert on a moving bus that's basically sh- uh, like uh, it, it mimicked the subway car, and he's performing on top of it through the Bronx and Harlem and Washington Heights, essentially the most densely populated areas of Hispanics in New York City, which I just thought was genius, just amazing. One of the biggest Latin artists um, on the planet doing a, a free concert through one of the biggest Latin communities in all of America. I just thought it was incredible. So, Rob, take it away. Talk to me about Bad Bunny. Talk to me about the, the concert. And, of course, you're a Bronx native. You're, I mean, a Bronx resident right now. So just just get into that, bro. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Bad Bunny is, and, and Nando, you can jump in too, obviously, being a, a fellow Latino on the call. But well, you know, I want to, I want to be very clear because I don't want to get, I don't want to get tweets uh, of people like getting mad at me. I am technically not a Latino. I am a Hispanic because I am from Spain, and Spanish Whatever people are not means. technically I... Latino, and people get very, are very, very sensitive true. about that. Oh, okay, um, I didn't know about this. Yeah, this is a hundred percent true. I am not Latinx. Uh, my mom is, my mom is, you know, almost 50 and, and she hates the Latinx. She's a Dem, you know, she works yeah. for a democratic Senator. She hates the Latinx shit. She's like, well, I'm Latino, like everybody from Spain, they're Hispanic. It's completely yeah. different, but yeah. I'm sure Nando, you still, you know, get the culture and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, your I, point was like bad bunny is kind of, if everything they wanted daddy Yankee to be, it's bad bunny. Mm. Right. So mm. daddy Yankee was a big deal just because he was like one of the first ones coming out of he Puerto was. Rico. And like I was telling you the other day when we talked about it a little bit before bomb, it's like he comes, Bad Bunny comes from this little town in Puerto Puerto Rico. And the reason why he did the concert on Sunday was actually, it was a three year anniversary of Hurricane Maria. And he was supposed to have a concert in Puerto Rico. The the reports are from Puerto Rico that he's supposed to have a big concert to benefit and everything. So the, the big thing is, is that, you know, obviously he had like Jay Balvin on, which is, and we discussed another huge like, artist, yep. a star. He's just Jay Balvin's like, if you guys don't know, Jay Balvin's just, you know, he's, he's done he, him. And it's, it's very important that bad bunny and Jay Balvin are connected because they also were the two in the Super Bowl performance with Shakira mm-hmm. and JLo. And it's yeah. very important that those two guys are the two because they touch on a bunch of different stuff. As far as artists, like bad bunny's, persona is more of a it's very close to prince right it's androgynous very in your mm. face very flashy i'm painting my nails i'm wearing mm. uh, i'm dressing up as a girl for a music video there's a lot of um, not the chatter typical latin on the machismo in- no not at all and there's a lot of chatter about his like ricky martin in the late 90s it's like look at this macho dude and he's gay you know yeah, right. it's like sure. you know everybody has this view of what it's supposed to be and then jay balvin's a little mix of both right he's 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 very flashy but he's also into like a lot of like very creepy like if you watch his videos he's very dark very creepy very dark <laughs> very like aggressive it. um also so the fact Columbia, that, yeah right? yes, yes he is um, a colombiano um like and, and he's he's arguably even bigger than bad bunny like his youtube numbers right. are insane so the fact that, you know, the Bad Bunny can go through the Bronx, like you said, was Puerto Rico. I mean, geez, man, I, I have family here. I have everybody, you know, you, you go look out the window right now and there's a Puerto Rican flag out somebody's window. It's just how Puerto Rican people do it. It's just the nature yeah. of the. So for him to do it, it's a live concert. gets sponsored by Verizon. It was live streaming on this Latino platform that they use in Mexico and like in South America and stuff. They had 10 million people watching it on YouTube. Like it's just it's insane. And, and you know, it's, it's also important to note that like 
Bad Bunny is somebody who's very welcoming. Like everybody, it was weird when he went, he went silent once the pandemic happened and everything. And once Black Lives Matter and everything came out and people in the community were like looking at him and like, dude, say something, say something. And he went completely go ghost. He went silent. He said, I don't want to, he didn't even say anything. And then he came out this week and he said, you know, I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know what to articulate. I didn't know how to say it. And he was just talking about everybody should love each other. We should all come together. And I hope this helps, you know, bring everybody together. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about him because he's very secluded, but if you go, he's weird, he'll, he'll be real quiet. And then one day he'll post on Instagram of him dancing, going nuts and then doing something crazy. Um, he's, he's a big deal and he's a big time, not only cause he's Puerto Rican, but like he's, he's huge. He's, you know, doing stunt. He has Drake on speed dial. You know, he can head up talent yep. at any time. He works with yep. Shakira. He works with JLo. Like this guy is out of here. And if, you know, if you're listening at home and you don't know anything about his music, definitely check it out. Um, and do the English translations. Cause to your point was that song Kayaita is a good song, but it's really about like a girl who's like really quiet and really reserved and like to by herself. And he wants to break her out of her shell, but it's a good song, you know? So yeah, definitely check it out. Bad Bunny's a, a big, a big, big, big problem out here. Dude, I, I know, like, my sister and her friends and all that stuff, like, I mean, it's like, they go crazy. They go crazy over <laughs> the bad, some Bad Bunny. I mean, it is, yeah, they love I it. I wanted to get into it, man, because, you know, we, we always give Rob a hard time for being the, the lone wolf Puerto Rican within the bomb crew. <laughs> But I know Bad Bunny is a sense of um, just Puerto Rican pride for Rob specifically yeah. and a lot of people in Puerto Rico. So I just wanted to touch on that. And, you know, again, in New York City, like it, it, you can't it's a you cannot avoid Puerto Ricans. No, <laughs> okay? you and so, you know, I grew up around Puerto Rican people. And so, you know, so it, it's right. dope. Puerto Ricans and roaches. You can't get rid of them. Man, Puerto Ricans are so <laughs> fucking fun. Like, first of all, the accent is, makes me laugh every single time. Like, they're, they're, the way with words with Puerto Ricans is like, makes me laugh so much in Spanish. You know, like, it's, right, it's we're hilarious. Kind of the hicks, but like, so also I, like, but also very Americanized. So they, they, <laughs> You know, use in Spanish they use a lot of uh, uh, like funny Americanisms. Uh, it's it's just it's and it makes me laugh a lot. Like, and they're just always a good time. If you ever party with Puerto Ricans, it's maybe one of the best people on, on the planet Earth to party with. And so there you have it, guys. Go make sure you go check out the the performance on YouTube. I found it to be very entertaining. I was watching that and the NBA Finals and football at the same time. So shouts to Bad Bunny. Shouts to everybody that put that together. Shouts to um, Miami Heat. Shouts to the Miami Heat game four tonight. The Heat yeah. lead the series 2-1. Um, I'll be locked into that. Uh, make sure you become a patron of Count the Dings. Excuse me, patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Your support helps fuel all the content that we make here for you guys, man. We couldn't do it without your support. Thank you to all the patrons, the current patrons. We appreciate you for sure. Of course, make sure you're subscribed and listening to Let's Pot It Out with my man Nando Vila. And Hell please yeah. become a subscriber of the Count the Dings YouTube page. Like, uh, freaking, you know, share. Um, share, do all of that. We need to game the freaking algorithm so we can get this propaganda out to even more people <laughs> on YouTube, okay? And so make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. Um, Fernando Vila, I'm Big Waz. And of course, as always, for, for Rob Lopez on the ones and threes, we're out. Later.